Good morning, good morning. It is good to be in Pennsylvania. This is my first time. I've only been up north one other time back in 98. That was in Ohio. It was in the summertime. So I'm told that it gets cold here. So I've uh, never experienced that. So uh, this is my lovely wife, Miss Natalie. And uh, she is uh, the love of my life, my first wife, and my last wife. So, but we have four daughters. Their ages are 16, 13, 8, and 5. And uh, yes, I said four daughters. So everybody should feel really pity for me, okay? But they're great. God has blessed us. I just want to thank Pastor Glenn, his wife Barb, and Pastor Arden, and his wife Marilyn, just for making us feel so right at home. We have just enjoyed ourselves. I tell you, my stomach didn't expand as much as it does now when we come up here. But wow, what some Miss Marilyn at lasagna was just excellent. Thank you so much. And wow, y'all just made us feel right at home. And we thank you for doing that. We're just excited to be here. And um, Looking forward to what God's going to do today. I just sense in my spirit this morning, and Brother Arlen, I agree with you. God wants to minister to a lot of people this morning. The presence of God is in this place. Just touch your neighbor and say, he's here. He's here. He's not millions of miles away. He is right here in our midst. Your Bible says that where two or three are gathered, he's there in the midst of them. Listen to me. I don't know who that was, but I agree with Pastor Arlen. There's somebody here. God's about to do something very powerful in your life today. Amen? Amen. I want to just share the word with you this morning. Is that okay if we share the word? I love sharing the word of the Lord with God's people. And I, I just, I've been praying this week and just, just asking the Lord, what would you have me to speak on here at New Life Church? And I struggle with a couple of things, but I just pinpointed down to this one word. I want to look at Psalm chapter 77. You can turn there if you want. It'll be up here on the PowerPoint. Uh, Before I read this, let me just say this psalmist that we're reading about was going through a tough time in his life. We don't really know what he was going through, but we know this. He was going through something. Just like everybody today. We're all going through something. But he come to a point in his life where, you know what, he just began to get a little depressed. Even to the point of, you know what, he started complaining to God. And he just felt like there was no hope. You know there's a lot of people in the world today that are at that point. They feel like there's no hope. They feel like there's no way out of the circumstance that they're in. They begin to focus in on their problems instead of their problem solver. But this psalm has come to a point here in verse 11 that he makes this statement. He said, I will remember the works of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. Let me just remind you, never forget what God did in your past. Because what he did in your past always prophesies to what he's going to do in your future. Amen? He says, I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Let me ask you this question. What's coming out of your mouth? What are you talking about? What are you saying? Because the words that proceed out of your mouth are powerful. They are, they are laying your future out before you. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And I've seen so many people in the last few years just destroy their lives through their words. But look at verse number 13. He says, your way, O God, 
is in the sanctuary. And this question is what I want to really focus in on. He's, he asks, who is so great a God as our God? Who is so great a God as our God? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your presence that is just so overwhelming this morning in this place. You are in this sanctuary. Lord, we sense your presence. And we sense that you want to do something very powerful this morning in this house. And Lord, I just pray for your anointing to rest upon my lips, my tongue. For God, in and of myself, I can do nothing. But Lord, with the anointing that transforms us, that prepares us to be used of you. Lord, I know I can do all things through Christ. I pray for the anointing to be upon every ear and every heart. Those who are here, those who are listening by CD, Lord, I just pray that the word would speak to them today. I pray for, Lord, a spirit of hope to be released into their lives. And Father, when we're done today, we will give you the praise and you the glory. And it's in Christ's name we pray. And everybody said amen. If you turn your television set on today or pick up a newspaper, what you're going to find, what you're going to see, what you're going to hear is problems. Our world is in one of the greatest times of distress that it's ever been in. Our world is experiencing evil in a way it's never been experienced before. There is a spirit of antichrist being released into the earth right now as we are here in this sanctuary. And if you're not careful, you can come to a place where you really begin to think that Satan is getting the upper hand. But I come to remind you this morning, I've come to let you know that no matter what's happening in our world, no matter what's happening in your life today, I've come to tell you that our God is greater. Our God is bigger. Our God is stronger. We serve a God that, watch this, the earth is his footstool. We serve a God who said, let there be light, and light had to give way to his voice. Let me remind you that God is greater than the enemy that's coming against you. God is greater than the human opposition that's coming against you. God is greater than your struggles with sin. He's greater than your struggles with strongholds and financial woes and your physical ailments. God is greater than anything or anyone. How great is God? Let me just say this. He is greater than what we have perceived him to be. He is greater than what we have believed him to be. He is greater than what we have said that he was. God is greater than anything we can imagine. Our brains, our brains have not yet reached the point to where it can adequately form a thought that could really truly describe God's greatness. Psalm 145 David said in verse 3, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. His greatness is unsearchable. Job 37 verse 5. The Bible says God thunders marvelously with his voice. He does great things which we cannot comprehend. Have you ever just had God do something in your life that you just sat there and shook your head and wondered, How did that happen? That's the kind of God we serve. Job chapter 26, 
verses 7 through 10, just to give us a little insight into what God's capable of doing. Job writes, God stretches the northern sky over empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. Pastor Glenn, you were talking about you're scared of heights. If you could only see what's beneath this earth, you would really be scared. Verse 8 says, he wraps the rain in his thick clouds, and the clouds don't burst with the weight. He covers the face of the moon, shrouding it with his clouds. He created the horizon when it separated the waters. He set the boundary between day and night. How great is your God. I just want to tell you two things about God that we need to know and remember. The first thing is this, there is no one like God. Our God. Say that with me. There is no one like our God. Jeremiah 10 verses 6 says, Lord, there is no one like you, for you are great and your name is full of power. Isaiah 46 verse 5. God asked Isaiah, to whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we should be alike? Let me tell you this morning, God is greater than all other gods that people have made up. And how many knows that we live in a polytheistic world, a world where everybody is making everything a god. There's sun gods, moon gods, there's grass gods, there's sunshine gods, there's gods everywhere. But let me just remind you, God has no equal. Let me remind you, God cannot be compared to anything or anyone. There is no one like God. He is in a class all by himself. 1 John 4, 4 says this, He who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. In the book of Exodus, God proved that he was greater than all the gods of Egypt when he sent the ten plagues to Egypt. Because what you need to understand, every plague was a direct attack upon the gods of Egypt. And what God was saying to Pharaoh and all of Egypt was simply that he is the sovereign God of heaven and of earth and there is no one like him that he was in absolute control no matter what it looked like in the natural. I think about the Philistines and how they captured the ark of God. They took that ark back to the city of Ashdod and they took it to their temple, the temple of Dagon. Dagon was their God. They had a statue of him. He was half man, half fish. And there they placed the ark of God, which contained the presence of God, right there next to Dagon. And the next morning, the Bible says, they came into the temple, and there Dagon, that statue, had fell over on its face. So they picked him up, put him back up on his pedestal, and the next day they came in, and again they found him face on, his face on the floor. But this time, his head had broke off. The palms of his hands broke off. All that was left was his torso. And then, God began to really show the Philistines and the city of Ashdod who he really was and how great he was because your Bible says that he began to send tumors and and tumors began to just appear on people. But 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 7 is what I want you to see because this was their response. And when the men of Ashdod saw how it was, they said, 
The ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us for his hand is harsh toward us and Dagon our God. Do you know what God was saying? I am greater than your God that you've created. They were saying, get him out of here. Can I tell you, we as children of God who are filled with the presence of God, See, I want to come to a point in my life that when I walk into a store, people want me to leave because they sense there's something greater on the inside of me. I want to be so full of God. Like when Smith Wigglesworth walked onto a train, walked by a Catholic priest, and the priest fell down on his knees and began to cry out and say, God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. I want to be so full of God that when I walk down the street or walk through an aisle in the grocery store that my shadow touches someone who's sick and they're healed like Peter. Pastor, preacher, is that possible? You better believe it's possible. So God's greater than all other gods. So what sets God apart from all others? First of all, know this. God has no beginning. God has no ending. Revelation 1, verses 10 and 11. The apostle John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and I am Omega, the first and the last. Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. See, there's two questions that have been asked but cannot be answered. Those questions are, where did God come from? When was God created? Our finite minds cannot understand. And I don't believe we will ever understand on this people planet. But what we do know about God is that God has always been here. And God will always be. For you need to understand, there has never been a day void of God. There will never be a day without God in it. Why? Because there can never be a day without God. It was him who created day and night. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, and Sunday. Second thing about God is God is a living God. We don't serve a dead God. (laughs) When I call on him... I, I, I can be, I can have faith to believe he's going to answer and respond back to me. When I go into my prayer closet to meet with, with him, I can expect that he's going to show up. He's a living God, Jeremiah 10, 10. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God. Revelation 1, 18 says, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Watch this. Jesus didn't die because he had to. He died because he chose to. Nobody took his life. He willingly laid it down. And the only reason he did that was so that you and I could have life. His life. He became like us so we could become like him. First Kings. The Bible tells us that Elijah confronted Ahab and all the prophets of Baal. He told them, meet me at Mount Carmel because we're about to settle some stuff today. 
He says we need to decide who the true God is. If, if Baal's God, then let him be God. But if Jehovah's God, let him be God. So they got on Mount Carmel and, and, and Elijah told the prophets of Baal, now I want you to call on God and I'm going to call on my God and whoever's God sends fire is the true God. And so the prophets of Baal, they got their sacrifices ready and they begin to chant. They begin to cry out and they begin to call upon Baal. But you know what? There was no response whatsoever and Elijah began to mock them and he began to make fun of them and he began to ask them where is your God is he sleeping is he on vacation is he is he gone somewhere and and he just mocked them until he come to a point where he said now it's my time so Elijah prepared the sacrifice dug a trench around the altar filled it with water and there he called upon the God of heaven and earth. And your Bible says that fire came down and devoured the sacrifice. Can I tell you right now, our God is greater. Let me give you one more thing about God. One thing that you and I must never forget, and that is this, God is able to do anything. God is able to do anything. God is able to do anything. Somebody said, preacher, why do you always repeat? Because the more I say it, the more real it becomes. Can I tell you right now, the church today needs to understand that God is able to do anything. Two questions, or one question was asked to two people. Genesis 18 and verse 14 and Jeremiah 32 verse 27. They're, they're, they're asked, Abraham's asking, Jeremiah's asked, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Of course, Abraham was up in age and God came to him and said you're going to be a father and Abraham said well I'm a little too old for that and God said is there anything too hard for me can I tell you today church there is absolutely nothing God cannot do it don't matter how big that problem is how big that mountain is staring you down God is greater than anything that sets before you he's greater like he was with David when he walked out to the valley of Elah and there Goliath stood towering over him but David went out there into the middle of that valley with the attitude that my God is greater my God is greater Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 is one of my most favorite verses in the Bible. The Apostle Paul writes now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, God is able. God is able to forgive and cleanse us from every confessed sin. God is able to give your mind a peace that surpasses all understanding. God is able to restore and transform any and every relationship. God is able to supply and provide for all your needs and even have some left over. God is able to heal your body from all sickness, from all disease. There's nothing he's not able to 
do. Just shout, my God is able. So he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. You know, where I come from, there's fishing's real big down there. And everybody that fishes has a big imagination. Because they may catch a fish like this, but when they tell the story, it's this big. We have imaginations that are just out of this world. But your greatest imagination doesn't even touch what God can do. But look what the rest of the verse says. According to the power that's at work somewhere else. That's according to the power that's in work, that's working in some people. According to the power that works in us. Just say it's working in me. I need you to understand God's power is at work in you right now. Let me say it this way. Right now, God's power is working in you. Can I tell you, right now, there is redemptive power at work within you. There's restoring power at work within you. There is healing power at work within you. Right now, God's power is working in you. Oh, I wish somebody would catch hold of this. I wish somebody would get this. The power that creates miracles is working in you right now. Just shout right now. Right now, God's healing. Right now, God's delivering. Right now, God's doing something. You may not see it with the natural eyes. You may not hear it with your ears. But right now, right now, somebody, is, is God's working on your behalf. Oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost in here right now. Let me tell you right now, somebody's on the brink of a breakthrough. Somebody's on the verge of a miracle. Somebody is about to get a healing. You've been going to the doctor for years and you've been spending all your money, but you're about to have an encounter with the healing power of God. Right now. Right now. Daniel chapter 3. Someone shout God's able. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego responds to Nebuchadnezzar's threats to throw them into the fiery furnace because they will not bow down to a statue. But listen to their response. They said, if that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Now you need to understand, God never promised to keep you from the fires of life. But what he did promise us was this, that when you go through the fires of life, I'll be right there with you in the midst of them. He's able. He's able. Mark chapter 9, verse 22 and 23, a man brings his son to, his, to Jesus' disciples. Boy has a mute spirit. Disciples tried to pray for him. Can't do anything. Jesus comes along, sees all the commotion, says, what's going on? And this man comes to Jesus, says, my boy has a mute spirit. I brought him to your disciples, but they didn't, couldn't do anything. And in verse 22, he says this, because Jesus asked him, how long has this been happening? And verse 22 says that the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if... You can. 
Now, I just love Jesus' response. Look at that. What do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. If I can. See, that same question that that father asked is being asked by many today. That question is permeating through the minds of millions of people today. Can God help me? Is God able? Let me remind you today that when we ask God, can you? He always responds with the same question. Can you? Can you believe? See, you got to understand, church, when to, to receive from the Lord, it never hinges on God's ability, but rather it hinges on our ability to believe that he is able. When you say, God, can you? He responds by saying, can you believe? Because you need to understand today, church, Hebrews 11 verse 6 tells us, without faith, without faith, It is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There's only one thing that pleases God. It's faith. It's not your crying. It's not your tears. None of that's going to move God. I don't care if you pray all day long until you're blue in the face. If you don't have faith, nothing is going to happen. Why is faith important? Because faith always wins. Faith always overcomes. Faith never wavers. Faith never fails. Faith is never in want. Faith is a key to receiving from God. It's the currency of heaven. Faith brings the impossible into the realm of the possible. Faith takes what you can't see and brings it into reality. In Mark chapter 11. Jesus gives us a lesson on faith. That lesson is simply where to direct or put our faith. And Jesus told his disciples, have faith in God. Say that with me. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. See, wherever you put your faith, that's so key. If you put your faith in man, you're going to always come up disappointed. But when you put your faith in God, disappointment is never an issue. The angel Gabriel came to Mary, a little virgin girl. Gabriel introduced himself to her and Gabriel told her, Mary, you've been favored by God. And then he told her, Mary, you're going to conceive and bear a son. And you call his name Jesus. But Mary did what we do so many times. When God asked of us, how can this work? I don't, I don't even know a man. I'm not Mary. How am I going to conceive a child without a man? I mean, he knows that when God wants something from you, you don't need nobody else but him. When God wants to do something, he don't need nobody else but him. So Mary said, how can this be? I don't have a husband. I'm not married. 
Luke 1 I want to get this verse. Let's read this verse out loud. We're, we're going to read it like two or three times. Is that okay? Okay, good. Read it out loud. Ready? Read. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Read it again. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Okay, just read it one more time. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Okay, okay, great, great. Now let's do this. Just quote the first three words. For with God. One more time. For with God. Now, I need you to remember this. It's not up here, but Numbers 23, 19 says this. God is not a man. You need to know that. God is not a man. Now, why is that important for us to understand? Because we have a tendency sometimes to compare God to man. We have a tendency sometimes to, to, to look at God and look at man and put the two in the same category. But remember, God has no equal. There's nobody like God. Okay? So, so God is nothing like man. Man's imperfect. God's perfect. Man fails. God never fails. Man forgets. God never forgets. Man has weaknesses, but God has no weaknesses. Man is finite, but God is infinite, meaning he has no limits. He cannot be contained. There is no restraints on God. Okay, so with that in mind, God's not like me. Read the first three words again. For with God. All right. Now let's start with the word nothing and read. Ready? Read. Nothing will be impossible. Say it again. Nothing will be impossible. Just one more time. Nothing. Okay, okay, okay. Now watch this. So, <laughs> when I'm praying in faith and I'm directing my faith to God, God says to that person, it's impossible. For nothing to happen. You didn't hear me. You didn't hear me. When you direct your faith to God, it's impossible for nothing to happen. So when I'm believing for a healing in faith and I ask, it's impossible not to be healed. When I'm believing for financial breakthrough and I'm praying in faith, God says it's impossible for me to do nothing for that person. Why? Faith always extracts from God. Oh, my, 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 my. My, 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 my. It is impossible. For nothing to happen. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what mountain you're facing, what giant you're facing. Maybe you're here and you have disease just all throughout your body. Let me tell you right now, if you will just step out in faith towards God, your healing will meet you. If you'll just believe. There's a movie just come out Entitled, Do You Believe? Do You Believe? If you're here today and you've got a circumstance in your life that looks impossible, that you don't see no hope, no way out, if you are dealing with a sickness in your body, I want you to stand to your feet if you will. Come on. If you're dealing with something, you're going through something right now. God wants to do something right now. 
Is there anybody else? Maybe you have a relationship that's going bad. Maybe you're going through one of the worst turmoils of your life in your family. If you want God to intervene, just stand up. Stand up. I want those of you who are standing to come to these altars, if you will, right now. It's impossible for nothing to happen when we're believing in faith. It's impossible for nothing to happen when I'm believing in faith. Come, come. The power of God is here right now. I want you to get focused. See, the problem many times is we're more focused on our problems than we are on our God. And your focus is key. If you focus on your sickness, your sickness is going to have power over you. But if you focus on your healer, your healer is going to have power over your sickness. Lift your hands right now. Father, you see every soul standing at this altar right now. Every one of them today are going through some kind of situation. Going through something in their life. And Lord, I'm asking right now in faith. They came in faith and we're believing that, Lord, it's going to be impossible for nothing to happen in their life this morning. So Holy Spirit of God, move. Move in this altar right now. I'm going to start down here on this end. I'm going to come down. It may take me just a few minutes, but just just hang on. Father, right now, right now.